Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When my car stopped, every light in that car turned on. The battery, the engine, the check engine light, everything turned on when the car had actually broke down. This is the plaintiff, Kiana Smart. She says the defendant took terrible advantage of her by unloading a 2003 Jeep Liberty on her, which had numerous problems from the minute she drove it home. She won't stand for that type of disrespect from anyone and is suing for the $5,000 she's now owed. This is the defendant, James Turgeon. He says the plaintiff ignored some warning lights that went on after she had the car for a while and then took a long drive and blew the engine. Oh, for a refund? No way. He's accused of taking advantage. The defendant has filed a countersuit for $170 for unpaid parts and labor. All parties, please raise your right hand. What you are about to witness is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in civil court. Both parties have agreed to drop their claims and have their cases settled here before Judge Marilyn Millian in our forum, the People's Court. People's Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Marilyn Millian is now presiding. Litigants have been sworn, Your Honor. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. All right, Ms. Smart, what's happening? Um, on November the 5th, I went to A1 Auto, Auto Motors, I believe is the name of the place, and I went with my cousin and her husband to find me a car because back in July, I got into a real bad car wreck and my car was totaled. So I was in the search of a new car. Um, I was told that they found the car on cargo, that it was a 2003 Jeep Liberty. We were looking for something under 85,000 miles. So we went to the lot. We looked at the car. Um, James told us that the car was 3,500. So we test drove it. When we test drove it, there was nothing wrong with the car. There was no lights on it. No lights went off. Nothing, nothing in the dash went off as we was driving the car to test drive it. Um, we got back to the lot. But you do notice that the speedometer's not working, and you negotiate yes, the I price down to 3300 and according to you, you received a 30-day warranty. Show me the 30-day yes. warranty. Yes, he said that there was physically not a warranty, but he would give me a verbal 30-day warranty that if anything happened to the car, to bring it back to especially him. The whole entire time that the car was messing up, I took it to James. I called James personally on his cell phone, and I would tell him, hey, James, this is this is such and such is happening to the car, or this is what's happening to the car. Hey, James, my car stopped on the side of the interstate on Thanksgiving night. I'm stranded on the side of the interstate. I, I didn't contact Callie on any type of tip when it came to the car. I always contacted James because that's what he told me to do. Okay. So according to you, 
the day after you purchase it, it turns off on you and the check engine light went on. And did you bring it back to them to fix? Yes, ma'am. Um, he fixed it to where the check engine light went off. Um, that very next day, the check engine light came and on And according again. to you, Five he also told day. you he was just doing this to help you out because the car was sold as is. Your paperwork says as is, right? Yes. Ma'am? Why didn't you have him write down on the paperwork the thing that he was saying verbally? Again, this is my, my first time purchasing a car on my own. And yes, that's my fault. Did you I provide her with a 30-day warranty, Mr. Turgeon? No, ma'am. I, I never provide anybody with any warranties because uh, we offer a warranty through a third-party company called NVP Warranties. They can buy that through the third-party company. Uh, I do not at all offer any warranties, nothing at all like that. I went out of my way to help her. I actually went the next day. Uh, the, she called me on Thanksgiving, the next day, next day after Thanksgiving. My wife and I we went up there uh, because she said the serpentine belt had broke. Uh, I was going to go Black Friday shopping and stuff, and we went out of our way to... I went to AutoZone, purchased the belt, uh, went up there. I was going to change it on the side of the interstate. I also own a towing company as well, and uh, I just was under the circumstance that the serpentine belt had broke. It was I could fix it on the side of the interstate real quick, get it rolling. When we get to the vehicle, I check all the, because it's rare for a serpentine belt just to break out of nowhere. And this serpentine belt, I remember we replaced it prior to because we check everything. So it's a day after Thanksgiving, you're trying to fix it on the side of the road, and what happens? So I check all the tensioners and everything, and we check the uh, AC compressor, and I noticed the AC compressor kind of looked like it was like out of alignment a little bit. When I checked the AC compressor, it locked up. So I told her we're not going to be able to fix it right here. So we towed it back to my car lot. Uh, went out of my way to do this. When we started the repairs, uh, and I put the, I changed the AC compressor out at the at our car lot, and I put the new serpentine belt on. As I was starting the car, I noticed it wouldn't like start. You had to keep pushing the gas. I said, well, maybe because the battery was so dead, it'll take a minute for it to charge up. So we started it, started it. And it, finally, I got it started. I had to kind of rev it up to about 3,000 RPMs, 2,500. And then it would run for a second and it would die. So I started it again, started it, started it, and let it run. And I kept it running. And about probably three minutes after it started running, the, the temperature gauge starts jumping up immediately and it goes all the way to red. Due to the serpentine belt, she drove it from Smyrna all the way to probably 30 miles, I say, with the belt broke all the way down the interstate of uh, Interstate 24 from Smyrna. How do you know that? She stated because that's how she knew. Uh, the battery, the belt or something had broke. She stated, I didn't have it. That's a lie. I noticed no. I didn't have any power steering. No. That's, that's incorrect. When I, when I left my family's home for Thanksgiving and I was driving my car, there was nothing wrong with my car. There was no lights that came on in my car until my car stopped. Off the, bike the battery went the completely dead. When my car stopped, yeah, every light in that car turned on. The battery, the engine, the check engine light, everything turned on when the car had actually broke down.
Did you have an opportunity to buy a warranty when you purchased this car from the third party? Did they offer you an opportunity to buy the, a warranty through the third party and you rejected it because no, it was too much money? He didn't offer me a warranty because he gave me a 30-day warranty verbally. He said if I need anything to call him, he gave me his personal phone number, his, his own business card. But Ms. Smart, you understand that, you know, you're walking in here and you're, you're, you're trying to prove something that doesn't exist in writing. There are warranties and there are warranties. Some warranties cover a lot of things. Some warranties don't cover that many things. That's why these things are always in writing, what the warranty covers and what it doesn't cover. You bought it completely as is without a, any warranty whatsoever, according to the paperwork. You're telling me that he verbally said, just call me if you have a problem, but just call me if you have a problem is not the same as a warranty. You know, that's, I'm going to try to help I'm you if I can, which, I mean, I just, I don't know what you want me to do. You could buy a warranty, but you know, you have to buy the warranty. You have to pay for it because when you buy an as-is car, you're buying an as-is car. Now you ended up giving her a loaner. Um, yes. And what happens? Tell me about that, Mr. Turgeon. Okay, when we come, uh, when she returned the loaner, that's when we notified her that the motor was blowed, uh, that the motor was blowed, and uh, we gave her a Tahoe, and uh, she wasn't happy at the time. We actually had to call the police out there because she jumped in the loaner car and tried to take off. She said, I need a car because I live in this car. And, that, I mean, I understand, you know, people have hard times. She said, this is my roof. This is where I live in this vehicle. I have to have a car. So she jumps in the vehicle, tries to take off. We have to call the Smyrna Police Department out there to intervene in the situation. Basically, Smyrna states that it's a civil issue between the car, but her with the vehicle, because we gave it to her as a loner, there wasn't much ground they had to stand on, but it was basically like an auto theft. But we would have to, if she left with the vehicle, we would have to get a rid of possession and stuff like that. Okay, well, what happened? She didn't leave with the vehicle. She left the vehicle. No, she didn't. She didn't. I guess they had, her and the officers had worked out something. I can understand her being frustrated. When I first got the car. Yeah, of course. She has no wheels. I have my receipt from where I bought my tags. I couldn't even get my tags to the 13th. I got my car on the 5th. Because my car kept having problems and I kept giving it to back to James. I couldn't get my tax on until the thirteenth. I have a receipt saying that I couldn't get my tax. I know. Tax and the what you're what you're mis let me explain something to you, Miss Smart. I, I I know everything you're saying is accurate. Your car had problems, it had it kept having problems. I get that. But I am not here to feel bad for you and make people give you money because we feel bad for you. I am here to decide if you legally have a leg to stand on. For you to be able to get compensation, he has to have violated a duty he owed you. So you have to be able to prove that you have a warranty and you don't have a warranty. This is why people buy a warranty so that this stuff doesn't end up coming out of their pocket. My hands are tied. I, I can't create an obligation where there isn't one. I don't have a choice. The I labor and parts and all this other stuff that you did for her, let that ride. Do me a favor. Drop your counterclaim. It's, it's, it's enough already. All right, I'll do that. The bottom line is, look, I'm here to enforce a contract. You signed the contract, and in the contract, you have zero warranty. 
So any repairs that have to happen to this car have to come out of your pocket. That's the law. I don't have any choice in the matter. Um, you, you know, you're suing for the and amount have, you paid for the car plus the repairs, which that would be interesting. And you have a counterclaim against her for stuff you guys fixed that didn't create any benefit for her because then, then the engine doesn't turn. So what's the point? I am not going to order her to pay you for the counterclaim, but I am also not going to award her any money on her claim against you because she is completely unable to prove that there was any warranty you violated. So it's a zero-zero tie here in this case. Really sad case. you got to feel sorry for the plaintiff. Ms. Smart, let me ask you, uh, I know how you feel. Tell me. Um, I feel like I just got taken advantage of. I feel like the rug was swept under my carpet. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of things because I feel like it's unfair. He sold me the car knowing that the car wasn't good. He kept fixing on the car knowing that the car wasn't good. And he still didn't try to help at any point. I've spent $1,700 on fixing this car and the car is still not working. Like that's not fair. I feel so sorry for you, but I'm sorry. That is, that's the law. The judge has made her decision. You're going to have to live with it. Uh, Mr. Turgeon, what's your reaction to the judge's decision? You lost your, your countersuit. Wasn't that no. 170 bucks. You feel sorry for her? Yeah, I do. She's a very nice lady, you know, and I don't try to take advantage of any of my customers. I just want everybody happy. All right. Well, unfortunately, this one is not happy. The ultimate nightmare scenario here for Ms. Smart. She buys a 17-year-old car on an as-is sale. She's got no warranty of any kind. And as we all know, they're, they're ticking time bombs. You don't know when yours is going to go off. It might go off 20 years from now, or it might go off when you get to the end of the driveway of the house you bought it from. And either way, you're out of luck. I know. People, people with the concept of as-is, people always say, but. Right. But, right. but, 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 right. but right. it was just a day, but it was just right. a week, but right. it was a, but, you know, there is a definitive line in the sand and it's the moment you purchase it. Right. Uh, what a shame, though, uh, that it turned out this way. But, you know, it's the old uh, buyer beware thing when you, when you buy these types of vehicles, when you buy an yeah, old vehicle. I feel terrible for her. I really do, especially if she was living in her car. God yeah. bless her. Uh, hopefully that's not um, right. something that she's going through now. She had family to visit, and hopefully right. um, she is uh, doing better. Rita wants to know this. Hey, Harvey. I have a living revocable trust, and as I get older, I change my mind about a few things. Is there any easy way to amend it without paying a lawyer tons of money? Well, it depends on how this thing is structured. If you can easily do an amendment to this, I suppose that's okay. I got to tell you, I wouldn't do it. Estate planning is complicated, and for what it's going to cost you, it's going to save a lot on the other end, although the reality is in the other end, you're not going to have to worry. That'll do it for this case. Litigants for the next case inside the courtroom. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. 
This is the plaintiff, Rahima. She says she's a traveling nurse who goes from city to city during COVID. And the heartless defendant is keeping her security deposit, claiming she didn't give her 30 days notice before she had to up and go to a different city. This is outrageous behavior. She's here fighting for a refund of the $300 she's owed. This is the defendant, Valerie. She says the woman gave her only one day's notice when she's supposed to give her 30. So she forfeits her security, plain and simple. She's accused of having no heart. The defendant has filed a countersuit for $828.23 for unpaid rent and utilities. All parties, please raise your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case in the docket, the plaintiff is a traveling nurse, and she says the defendant is trying to steal money from her. Now, the defendant says she did nothing of the sort. The plaintiff's money was forfeited, and she's very right to keep it. It's the case of, you got no heart. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Ms. Rahima. You are suing to get your security deposit back, and Ms. Valerie believes that it belongs to her and then some, based on how you left. Can you talk to me? Tell me why you were moving in there to begin with. Um, So I was, uh, I traveled to Bemidji for a nursing contract beginning of April 20th, and I stayed with a couple of friends up until uh, May 25th, but their lease ended, so I needed to find a different place because my contract wasn't over at the time. So I was finding a place on Facebook and I saw her advertisement. So I sent her a message asking if I could see the place. And we were able to figure out a good time that very evening. So I went and saw the place. But I told her I needed to think about it just for the evening. And then I texted her in the morning, which would be May 26th. And I told her I, I'm okay with moving in. So what would be the next steps? And she, had, um, she told me I needed to pay the rent of $400 and a $300 deposit and that she returns that when a person moves out. So that was initially the agreement. Then I asked her about a receipt or how she wrote leases. She said since it's short term, she doesn't do any um, leases. She'll just write me a receipt. And she said she would take cash or a check as per her messages. But I told her that I wanted some form of uh, proof that I had paid her. So she would say she was okay using Venmo. And that's what we used to, uh, for payment. Okay. Um, so you move in on May 26th, and then correct. you tell her that you're leaving when? I told her that my contract goes up until July 20th. However, they don't always last that long. They can be canceled. So I could be there for two months, but I could also be there for a month or less. It just depends. And that was a verbal uh, conversation that we had. And she said, usually Bemiji doesn't cancel they usually extend. And I told her, I'm, I'm not sure because I've been canceled before, so I like to take precautions. With COVID being getting worse, some people have been canceling nurses or moving them to ICUs and all that. And she said, that's fine. So that's where we left it. And like I said, and you didn't get that in writing, up. that you, you could leave at a moment's notice? Because that's not usual. That, that's not what the law says. So it's unusual for someone to give you that out. And what was the problem? Did your, uh, you, your contract got canceled? Yes, my contract got canceled. My agent sent me an email and then he told me he was going to call me that Monday. So I sent Valerie a message explaining to her what had happened, that my contract got canceled. So if she was okay with it, 
to just Venmo me back the deposit, but I would clean the house and everything. And I, she told me where to leave the key. So when we had this conversation via message, there was nowhere anywhere that she had told me that she wouldn't give me my deposit back. Everything just went smooth up until a couple of days later when she started saying that I wouldn't get the deposit back. And then that's where everything got worse from there. So talk to me, Ms. Valerie. What's your position? Okay. Well, Rahima did contact me. She was looking for a place to rent for two months because she is a traveling nurse and she was under contract at Sanford Health here in Bemidji until um, July 20th. So she said she would be moving out. Did July you ever 20th. tell her that if she got canceled, she could uh, just leave at a moment's notice? No, I never did. In fact, uh, when she mentioned that she might get canceled, I said, well, that's really strange because I've rented to traveling nurses and traveling x-ray technicians in the past, and Sanford has never canceled their contract early. In fact, what Sanford usually does is extend their contract. So most traveling professionals that I have rented to, their contract has been extended, and I've never had one that's ever been um, canceled. So when she when when okay. moved in, I said, I can type up a two month contract. She said, no, I don't want a contract. And I said, well, I'm going to take your name, correct spelling. I'm going to take your phone number. I'm going to take your driver's license number. I wrote all that down. I also wrote down the day that she moved in. I had my witness or one of my other tenants there who was witnessing our conversation. And um, so she, on the 26th, she moved into Bemidji into the number one room upstairs. Uh, she entered into a two-month uh, verbal agreement. So she enters into the two months, but sh at what point does she tell you that she's going to leave? She told me on June 21st that she would be moving out on the 22nd because she her contract at Sanford Health was canceled. And did you ever get to the bottom of whether that was truthful, that her contract got canceled? I did. I had emailed the human resource manager at Sanford here in Bemidji, and she said that... Rahima had been under contract until July 20th. However, her contract was extended until sometime in September, but that she had decided to leave her contract early and left um, her contract in Bemidji on September 3rd. And I on haven't been documenting that. So did you September keep working at, at that hospital, Ms. Rahima? No, I didn't. Did you work, did you work at that hospital in uh, July and August? No, I didn't. She has an email from Human Resources saying you left on September 3rd. Do you get to coast on the idea of a 30-day notice? That's what matters. Because when you don't have a written lease, you are in what we call a month-to-month -month tenancy. And your month-to-month -month tenancy requires 30 days notice before you can leave. So um, you didn't provide the 30-day notice. So you owe July. Um, because you, you're telling me, well, I had an exemption, but you have to prove that. And I asked her and she's denying it. So now it's your word against hers. You don't have, you know, if you want an exemption, you better put an exemption to the law in writing because it's, you're going to have a really hard time. So she says that, so you didn't pay July. And then we have the utilities. What's this about dividing with four and multiplying by two and all these texts that I see from you, Ms. Valerie, regarding her and a guest. What's that about? Yeah, there's, um, when she moved in, she asked me if um, someone could help her move in. I said, yes. And then she asked if her boyfriend could also spend a night there, you know, once in a while. I said, that's fine. But I said, if the boyfriend is living there, then the rent goes up by $200 a month. So instead of $400 a month, it would be $200 a month. And then I said, in addition to that, I said, we split the utilities of the house between 
all the tenants that are there. And at that time, there was three. It would have been Rahima, uh, Jennifer, and, and Greg that were in the house. And so when I get the utility bills, I split it by three. However, the month of June, her boyfriend was also living there. So I told her, um, and when her boy, if her boyfriend is going to be living there, he's also going to have to pay his share of the utilities. So then it would be split by four individuals. Okay, but who told you, you don't live there? How do you know the boyfriend was living there? Um, my tenant who, who lives there, the my witness today, um, is the one who informed me. Let Actually, me hear from your both witness. of my tenants informed me. And by the way, do you have in writing that the rent is 600 Because I see your text only after the fact once she was leaving, where you say, ah, oh, it's an extra 200 for the boyfriend. Do you have that in writing, that if you have somebody stay over what I deem to be too much, I will charge you 50% more? Do you, just like I asked her whether her exemption was in writing, do you have what you're arguing now in writing? Yes, I do. Where? I have I have in, I have in writing when, when, when she moved in, the day she moved in, I wrote up everything that we talked about. She didn't sign anything. About. And by the way, I, my understanding, Ms. Rahima, is that you were only there three days a week anyway because you were going back to your yeah. hometown. So how yes, much could he have stayed? Let me hear from your witness. Go ahead, Ms. Valerie. Let me hear from your witness. Hi. Hello. What's your name? Greg. Okay, Greg, please raise your right hand. Can we swear him in, please, Douglas? Absolutely, Your Honor. You solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you, God. I do. Thank you. Your Honor. Okay, what are you here to testify to, Greg? Just that uh, her boyfriend was there every time she was there and when she wasn't there, when he would bring her to work. He would come back to the house, and he would be there the whole time. He would be there without her? Yes. Is it accurate that she would go back home for four days a week? I thought it was three days a week, but... Yeah, they okay. they would both be gone about three days a week. All right. And then the other days he was there all the time? Yes. Yes. Okay. Go ahead and switch again. Ms. Valerie, uh, you, one of the things you're suing for is she has a claim against you for the 300 for the security deposit. You have a claim against her for $828.23. So you didn't give her credit for the security deposit, which you have to because you're also suing for July rent. So you didn't include it in the math. Um, I see the utility bills. You don't deny that you owe the utility bills for June, right, Ms. Rahima? No. No, I don't. Right. And then you want her to pay the utility bills for July because she was supposed to be there and paying rent that month. And I get what you're saying. But by the same token, utilities are based on usage and she's not there in July using them. So I'm not going to order her to do that. I'm also, uh, I, I don't see any proof whatsoever that beforehand the two of you discussed that rent would increase by 50% if she hadn't a guest there too much. This is why you guys should put things in writing anyway. If you know, because even though it's a month to month and it's short term, y'all have like a bunch of conditions. Oh, I had an exemption of the law and you, oh, you can't have an overnight guest more than 3.2, you know, what? I mean, if you guys are going to have conditions, put it in writing one page, but you don't. And then you have a hard time proving it. I am not going to order her to pay an additional 200 for her guest. I, I am going to order her to pay the 400 for July rent because she is not able to prove that somehow the law doesn't apply to her. I am going to order her to pay... This is clever. You're, you're dividing it by four because you insist that um, you're allowed to. But again, I see no proof of that. I'm dividing the utilities by three, which is what the agreement was. And that makes it... Eighty-three dollars and seventy-nine cents 
for a total of $483.79, from which we subtract the $300 that is already in your possession, which leaves on your lawsuits against each other a net judgment in favor of the defendant in the amount of $183. That is my judgment. Good luck, folks. So this case all started with the plaintiff suing for $300. She ends up having to pay $183 to the defendant. Uh, actually, you're the loser, Ms. Mahima. What, what do you think? I just didn't feel like it was fair, like a fair discussion of the evidence. Well, you know, that's the way the judges decided. She listened and looked at all the evidence, what there was to look at, and uh, she found mm. against you, really. Ms. Valerie, uh, you were trying to get $800 from her. You didn't get it. You're getting 183 bucks now. How do, you, how do you feel about that? That's fine. I mean, she refused to sign anything. So there was a reason she refused to sign, and there was a reason she lied about what was going on. So. Okay. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up, ma'am. That's the way the case ends. Thank you very much. In a case like this where you've got, we're right now still in the midst of a worldwide viral pandemic, it's hard not to feel sympathy and admiration for a nurse who's there on the front lines and you know, putting her own health Absolutely. at risk and doing the job. So God bless her for that. But well, as a judge... But with all due respect, I think she was pulling the nurse card. Oh, because... <laughs> Maybe okay, because I think she maybe she moved in with the boyfriend or whatever it was, ah, because yeah, uh, be. because she the defendant did have some really strong evidence in right. that email from HR saying, what are you talking about? She's, she's still working. She's still working there right. until September 3rd, you know. <laughs> right. And in any event, as a judge, you can't you can't let sympathy or admiration for anybody cloud your judgment. No. And you have to look at it as a straightforward contracts matter. And that's really what this is. Yeah. Well, I, I, or lack of contracts matter. And, lack of contract. Know. Well, lack of contract, which defaults to that 30 day rule. Correct. You have have to give 30 days notice to your landlord if you yeah. don't you can't say like this plaintiff did on the 20th of june or july yeah i'm out one day i'm yeah. out tomorrow and think that you're going to get your security back or anything back right. i mean she it really if she had walked away from the security she wouldn't be owing 183 dollars no it would have been smart very to foolhardy not file of a course, lawsuit here it's very foolhardy to bucks. say i get to tell you i'm leaving tomorrow oh by the way give me back my security right. i mean that was that's kind of nutty Mark wants to know this. Hey, Harvey, if I'm parked on a public street and my neighbor's tree branches fall on my car, who do I sue? Here's the problem, Mark. If your neighbor had no reason to know that the tree had any damage to it, you might be stuck. That doesn't sound fair, but that's the law. Somebody has a duty to cut the branches to keep things safe when they know there's a problem. But if there's not a problem and they didn't know it and the branch falls, say, because of a gust of wind that's really extraordinary, you're out of luck. That'll do it for this case. Litigants for the next case inside the courtroom. This is the plaintiff, Raquel Hayward. She says she's been friends with the defendant for 25 years. But friend or no friend, she owes her money for a cruise they were supposed to take together and can't seem to get the one-time friend to pay up. She's suing for $1,004.76, the amount she's owed. This is the defendant, Marianne Brooks. She says she's still waiting for a refund from the cruise company. And once she gets it, she'll reimburse the plaintiff. But until then, there's nothing she can do. The plaintiff is going to have to wait just like everybody else. And she owes nothing. She's accused of sinking a friendship.
All parties, please raise your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiff says her friend of 25 years stiffed her, will not repay money that she owes, and it's destroyed her friendship. The defendant says that she's just the middleman waiting for a refund from a vacation they were supposed to take together, and her former friend needs to have some patience. It's the case of sinking a friendship. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Ms. Hayward, Hi. tell me what's going on. Hi. Okay. Um, me and the defendant, Miriam Brooks, um, we were going to be taking a cruise together that um, was supposed to be November 14th to the 19th um, of 2020. Um, we decided, well, actually the cruise line decided to move the cruise to next year to due to COVID or you could cancel the cruise. Me and Miriam Brooks decided that we were gonna cancel and get the refund. When did the cruise line, so by when did the cruise line say that? Um, the cruise what line month? said that um, August, that it was gonna be canceled. But as far as the refund, um, that, e that was sent out on October 8th, that a full refund would be sent out and allow seven to 10 business days. Now, um, being that me and Marianne Brooks were friends, we've been places before, um, I trusted her in returning my money because I was paying her uh, monthly for this cruise. Um, so I trusted her when the refund came back, we split it because we were um, actually, we were gonna be um, roommates basically on the cruise. So we're taking the cruise together. So I trusted her with right. my money. So you paid her a total of $1,004.76. According to yes. you, the cruise line has refunded the money and she's paid you nothing. And she claims the cruise line has yes. not refunded her the money. All right, let me hear from you, Ms. Brooks. What's going on? We've been friends for about 25 years. But um, the cruise did not pay me the money. I haven't gotten the money. I've been harassed after she's been harassing me. I've been harassing them about getting the money every day, four or five times a day. She she keep on harassing me about the money. I haven't gotten the money, and I have to get. What my happens bank when you to, call the cruise line? They said that I got the money, but yeah, I didn't receive do. the money. On the bank statement, you can see that I haven't received the money. And then we and her went to the bank, and I said. See, I haven't got the money. We went together to the bank. She called me back and said, you um, catfishing me for the money. I'm like, how can I catfish you when I go to the bank and show you my bank statement? I don't have the money. Now, according to you, Ms. Hayward, she got the money back. Yes. Ms. Brooks, you have a credit card that ends with seven. I don't have that card anymore. Yeah, well, that's card, where it was sent. Did somebody, that card turn a into a different card? Right, so did yes. that card turn into a different card, like you got a new card number on it? Yeah, show me I the statement for that. Yeah, that's where the credit went. It's, show it's me in, your statements for that. It's, it's in there. You have it. It's not in here. I have bank statements. I want to see the credit card statement, the visa bill. That's what I want to see. I don't have a visa. It's not a. It's not a visa. It's a. It's a bank. It comes straight out of my bank. It's a bank debit card. Court is in recess. Welcome back to the People's Court. This case is certainly a mystery. Who's the judge going to believe? Let's listen. I am looking at a document that was sent to Ms. Hayward from the cruise line, saying 
that on October 15th, they sent to your visa $2,009.27, which cleared on October 20th. It did. Okay? Well, no, you it can't. Got lost Let me somewhere. explain something to you. That's going to be a you problem, okay? Because she only has a contract with one person, and that's you. You're the one she was giving the money to, okay? So she can't go to, the, to them and demand anything further. It's not her card. She can't fight with them. She can't do it. I'm surprised she was even able to get that email, all right? So she's got the proof. That, and by the way, a lot of other people were going on this cruise, and all of them got the money, right, Ms. Hayward? Not everybody. Yes. I yes. Okay. So, Ms. Brooks, Ms. Brooks, Ms. Brooks, it's going to be an issue for you to solve. According to the cruise line, they sent it to the same card you used to make the payments all the time. So if you change cards, if you now have a successor card to the card that you had to close for fraud or all this other stuff, that is between you and your bank who issues that debit card. But that is not something that she caused, and that is not something she has to pay for. That is something that you are going to have to figure out on your own with your bank. I am issuing a verdict on behalf of Ms. Hayward in the amount of the $1,004.76, and you figure out how it is that they, when they credit something on October 20th, how it is that by December you don't already have it on your new card number because you should. But only you can solve that with your bank. I'm going to make sure you have a copy of this document that came from the cruise line. You take that to your bank and straighten out the problem that is yours. Verdict for the plaintiff. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you. So the judge finds for the plaintiff in this case. Ms. Brooks, let me ask you something. What do you think about what the judge just read to you? They're going to send the money. I already talked to him last week, and they're sending it tomorrow. Judge just pointed out bank. The, the refund was credited to your account. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Did you hear the judge? I heard what you said? It's not on my bank account. Ms. Hayward, how do you feel about this now? Do you feel better at this point? Yes, I am truly blessed. And you never win when you play dirty. Thank you guys so much. Do you think Ms. Brooks was trying to rip, has been trying to rip you off? Yes, I do. So obviously you're glad you sued her. If you hadn't sued her, you probably wouldn't be getting the money. Is that right? Absolutely true. So what about this long friendship you've had with her? Is it over now? Yes, it is. It's completely over. What a shame. When you use an intermediary, a third party, in dealing with a vendor or, or a cruise line or anybody else, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage because you're at the mercy of the intermediary when something goes wrong, right? Right. That's kind of what happened here. Whether it's a travel agent or a friend. And, right. uh, but did you, did you catch that at the end where she said, yeah. I'm getting it tomorrow? Yeah, why didn't she come out with that right at the beginning? Oh, by the way, I got the money. I'm getting it tomorrow or something. Because she's that not nice. That's why. Because that's exactly what she would have said. Right. I don't have the money. I don't have the money. I never got the money. Right. Not right. once did she say, well, oh, we've straightened it out, Judge. If she had just said that, she could salvage a 25-year friendship. Right. Unbelievable. made things so much simpler. Karen wants to know this. Hey, Harvey. 
If you live in New York, get hit by a rental car with a Georgia plates driven by someone who resides in Virginia. What small claims court do I sue him? Well, if you got hit in New York, you can sue in New York or you can sue in Virginia where the person lives. You have the choice. Obviously, you're going to choose New York because it's more convenient. We'll see you next time.